ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. We're rolling along here on the program. Talking a lot of Jim Beheim, future of Orange basketball, all that good stuff over the course of the last hour and a half after uh, last night's game went um, awry. That's the nicest way to put it. But uh, there's another basketball team on campus, and they got a they got a big one tomorrow against NC State. Let's see, right about now, it'd be uh, right about the fourth quarter of the game uh, tomorrow against NC State, 2 o'clock tip, 8-9 game in the second round of the ACC tournament. I guess the ACC tournament's probably, it's happening right now. How dare we not pay attention to day one ACC tournament games? By this point a year ago, this was right around when Syracuse's season ended last year. Right about now. It was actually a little bit, uh, yeah, right around 3 o'clock, uh, give or take, is when that puppy uh, ended last year in the, uh, the old 12-13 game. But the Orange will be in the 8-9 game tomorrow. It has uh, significant interest as far as uh, future brackets go. And with that, we bring in our guest today, ESPN's women's basketball bracketologist, Charlie Cream. Charlie, uh, welcome in. Thanks for hopping on today. Of course, Brian. Hey, anytime. Yeah, so we're, we're looking at your brackets, and it's now been it's been like a week and a half. Every time I click on it, no matter how many updates you've done, I keep seeing uh, Tisha Hyman's picture staring back at me as uh, the last team in, <laughs> in the tournament. Uh, what, what is Syracuse's situation right now? I mean, obviously you're not feeling very comfortable as the last team in, but sitting here with this NC State game, what, what are the scenarios for the Orange here this week? Well, I think they, they kind of run three layers. A loss tomorrow would not necessarily knock Syracuse out, but it would be, I think, very difficult at that point. They'd have to have some help from other teams losing and and, and, and other teams winning, actually, where you don't see bid stealers out of the WCC or the Summit League or possibly the Mountain West. You want to have chalk in those leagues, and you want to have somebody like Oregon lose in the Pac-12 tournament early and West Virginia lose early and Nebraska lose early. So, and, and all those things are actually feasible. So a loss wouldn't necessarily eliminate Syracuse, but obviously you want to keep playing. So a win also doesn't necessarily mean they're automatically going to get in based on everything I just said, mm-hmm. because all, all those things could flip and go wrong and Oregon can make could you know upset be Washington in the Pac-12 and then upset Stanford and then Oregon's in a whole different light. Uh, same with West Virginia; they make a run in the Big 12 tournament. And actually, West Virginia still has two more regular season games left to work with too. So a win doesn't automatically get them in, but it really, really helps because not only is it hey we get to play another day, but if this is a top 25 net win, as much trouble as NC State has had in the league and the fact that NC State's also playing in the 8-9 game, the Wolfpack still register as a top 25 net ranking win. Um, but then beyond that, so the, the, the last layer is beat NC State and then get to play Notre Dame, mm-hmm. who's now looks pretty vulnerable, right? If Miles can't go and still don't really have much uh, word on Olivia Miles' knee injury. Uh, Notre Dame hasn't given us any uh, real update on her playing status, but I have to think that it's a decent possibility she's not playing. Uh, and at that point, Notre Dame is very beatable, I think, for, for a Syracuse team that has good guards and can score. And they beat Notre Dame. Now we're talking about 
close the door, the bid is, is theirs, they're going to get in. Because now they've beaten two highly regarded teams as far as the net goes and into a semifinal game in the ACC tournament. And that, that would be enough, in my eyes, certainly. And I, I would think the committee would agree that that would be good enough for Syracuse to make the tournament. Yeah, Charlie, and there's a lot to unpack off of that. Uh, let, let's go sure. to the scenario that, okay, so if, if Syracuse wins tomorrow, by the numbers, it's their best win of the year. Um, their best win right now, I think, it's Carolina at home. They're 23 in net. NC State right now is 19 in net, and this is neutral site. And then Notre Dame, you mentioned, next up is at is at six. So, so let's say Syracuse wins tomorrow and loses to Notre Dame, which is you know a reasonable uh, scenario this week. How much at this stage of the game, so late in the season, would that affect you know like an overall profile of a team? Is it is it still significantly at this point, or is that you know just minor movements up and down your list? It's pretty minor movements, uh, but but the good thing is that there's not a lot of teams behind Syracuse mm-hmm. that are there to, to move up. Uh, I mentioned pretty much all of them. Okay. You know, if you look at my bracket, I've got a list of next four out, but in reality, the next four out aren't particularly close. There's a gap between first four out and next four out that's that's going to be hard to 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 close at this juncture. So we're really only talking about those four teams right behind Syracuse that I think could take the orange's spot. Uh, so a win obviously anchors that spot a little bit stronger, probably moves Syracuse up a, a spot or two on the board. And then we kind of have to see what else happens. You know, I, I went, kind of went through the scenarios where other teams moving into the field as automatic bids, like say Gonzaga loses in the WCC final, to Portland. Now Portland's in the tournament and Gonzaga is still going to make the tournament at large. There's one last bid available to the at large team. So just by doing the math, someone has to fall out and Syracuse would be that team to fall out. If they don't beat NC state, Mm -hmm. they might not be the first team to fall out. If they, they won't be the first team to fall out if they do beat NC state, but then there, then there's other, those other things that happen. So, uh, you know, best case scenario, obviously, is you, you win and you keep playing. But looking at, like, as you proposed, the, kind of the most realistic scenario maybe is, is a win and then a loss. And I, I think that puts them in okay shape. But it would still be a nervous Sunday Come March twelfth. Uh, yeah, when you when you're sitting in that spot, like you you don't get to watch the selection show without holding your breath. <laughs> I I know that the Orange have been there uh, before, and it, it has gone both ways uh, over the years. Um, you mentioned Gonzaga. How how many leagues are like that this year, Charlie? That are one bid leagues if they're you know stud wins, but become two bid leagues if they don't. Uh, how long is that list this year? I think it's two. Okay. But I, I'm sorry, I, I, it's three. It's three with a possibility of a fourth. Uh, so I mentioned the Mountain West. That's the fringe one. UNLV has uh, a really gaudy record. They've run through the league undefeated. And they're ranked in the AP poll, which, let's put an asterisk next to that, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, if you're asking me, is UNLV the 22nd best team in the country? Not a chance. <laughs> So, the, so, and that's why the rankings we got to take and throw them away, because I think UNLV becomes a very fringe team if they don't win the Mountain West tournament because they don't have much of a resume at all. The the three leagues that I think are you you can you can lock them in to the the, the conference champion is going to get in the field would be 
South Dakota State in the Summit League, and, and they might be a little fringe too, but I would put them in if they don't, as long as they make the final. Gonzaga is, is a slam dunk at large no matter what they do in the WCC. And the other one is Middle Tennessee and Conference USA. They're, they've slipped closer to fringe, but I think they, with their win over Louisville, uh, although the league's not very strong, it only has two teams within it in the net top 100, I still think they're, because they're, their net rating is actually very good. It's in the high 20s. I, I see them as a team that's, that will get in, even if they lose. I would, I, I would expect that they'd still probably have to make the, at least the semis or and probably the finals just to ensure that. But I think those three leagues are there. So th- those are the basically after the ACC tournament is done, all the Syracuse fans need to tune in to watch those games mm-hmm. and, and and monitor those teams because th- that's probably the most important factor. Because the other teams that Syracuse will be competing with the, the ones behind them also will, outside of West Virginia, will have already played and have their seasons be over, too. Yeah, that's how it generally works in women's hoops is the major conference tournaments go week one and the, the mid-majors go week two, kind of flipped from the, the men's. As Charlie Cream is our guest, the ESPN Women's College Basketball Bracketologist. And Charlie, you mentioned Notre Dame's situation right now. We, we do not know officially or anything about Olivia Miles. She's Notre Dame's best player. She's one of the shortlist uh, best players in the country. She'll be an All-American of uh, some sort this year. Had a non-contact apparent knee injury in their most recent game on Sunday. The Irish have uh, said nothing. There's really no benefit, I guess, to them saying anything right now. How, how do you factor that in? Like uh, On the men's side, I think people remember the famous situation with Kenyon Martin. Like He, he gets hurt in yeah. the tournament, and then Cincinnati kind of got screwed and dropped the seed line. Uh, Syracuse fans will remember the other way, like Arinze Onowaku, the Orange played around for a week, like, oh, he might get in the tournament or not, and you know he didn't play basketball for a year after that, and they, they kept their spot on the one line. What, what do you make of Notre Dame and how they might handle that going forward and how it might affect their, their spot in the bracket? Well, it's a, it's a very interesting question because player availability in, in injuries are designated to not impact selection, which obviously Notre Dame doesn't have to worry about anyway, but it is something that's supposed to be considered for seeding. Now, this year, what I've observed in the two top 16 reveals and some of the conversation with the committee around those is that they haven't really taken that injury thing or player availability all that significantly into account. And, and my example is, is UConn. Right. They were a number one seed in the very first reveal. And they had a resume on paper that certainly indicated that they should be. But the majority of that resume was built with a player or players that were, at the time, were not participating. And in an AZ FUDS case, still not participating. So what does that resume mean when it was built with a, a, a team that's actually not going to be in the tournament? Well, that's a, just like the Cincinnati example you brought up on the men's side. It's supposed to impact seating. But so far we've seen, and there's a couple other smaller examples of that and what the committee's done, where they haven't really factored it in, or, or, or it, it was part of their conversation, but it didn't end up impacting the, the seed in question. So I, I, I'm going to say that based on that, Notre Dame seed probably won't be all that negatively affected because the resume right now indicates a three seed. So I fully expect that they would at least still be getting in the top 16 and be able to host games. Uh, even if it, you know, if it means dropping a seed line, it might be, it might be more so that they lost the game early in the ACC tournament mm-hmm. you know, to Syracuse that more so than, than 
specifically or only Miles injury. Obviously, Miles injury would have an impact on how they play, but I'm thinking that Notre Dame's probably not going to have their situation negatively impacted too much from a seed perspective just and simply because of Miles' injury if it's keeping her out of games as we go forward. Yeah, and if, heck, they could go lose to Cuse or NC State on Friday, then you've only seen them play once without her. It's kind of hard how many conclusions can exactly. you lead to in, in one game. Man, I, it just feels like that is a hugely significant injury because she's that good. So I, I don't know. Right. It, it's gonna... and, it, and it does give her two, and losing early gives her two full weeks. Whatever her status is from the no. ACC tournament, they wouldn't play another basketball game for for two weeks, so she would have some time, or I guess it's more like a, a little over a week. But she, so she'd have time to continue to rest and heal. So who knows? Yeah, uh, they have uh, they have said nothing. There, there certainly has been time since Sunday to have conducted an MRI. I, I know there's uh, certainly been time to have done that, but uh, no results have uh, been made public. Charlie Cream, ESPN Women's Bracketologist, is with us. Let's let's hit the top. Uh, obvious, you know, South Carolina is number one. They're clearly the number one overall seed in the bracket. That's that goes without saying. Stanford's been right there all year. Like, Indiana's been great. It's unusual to see Indiana on that line, even though they've been good recently. And Utah, like, that that's a revelation. What's this like this year? It's not its not necessarily the same old, same old on the, the top seed lines for you. The only thing that's been unquestioned all year is South Carolina in that one spot. Yeah. After that, there's been movement. There's been, I mean, Indiana's been in that number two spot for a while. Mm-hmm. And, they deserve to be in that number two spot. But most of the year, there's been a, a lot of revolving doors. 16 has changed a, a significant amount from the, you know, the early days of me starting to do brackets back in November on a weekly basis. And, and yeah, you mentioned some teams that are, that are a little bit unusual. Virginia Tech right there, the ACC, as yeah. high as they've been able to climb is something slightly unexpected. We all thought they were going to be good, but to be a two-seed right now I think is, is exceeding expectations. Uh, so there's another example. Duke. I mean, the ACC is actually kind of loaded with these teams. North Carolina, I think it's probably, uh, as things have settled, they've had a very up-and-down season, but I think things have settled, they're kind of landing about where most of us thought they'd be. Um, but you take the, the Tech example and the Duke example, and that's two ACC teams that have significantly elevated. Um, the Utah's an interesting story because they have had a season, frankly, worthy of a number one seed. But I'm not sure if they're going to be able to hold on to it, depending on how, the, obviously, how the Pac-12 tournament turns out. Can they beat Stanford again if it came to a final between the two? And if they don't, does Maryland win the Big Ten? Does LSU upset South Carolina in the SEC final? And, and in, in those scenarios, Utah would lose its spot on the one line. Um, so it's still, it still remains intriguing on the one line, which most years, we're, frankly, we're usually talking about maybe one spot on the one line is up for debate. Now I think we have two, possibly three, mm. if Indiana really trips up early in the Big Ten tournament and somebody else a couple other teams make a significant run. All right, Charlie, good stuff. We'll be uh, Syracuse fans will be refreshing that link. I don't know how many times between uh, now and a week from Sunday because they are going to be right there on the bubble one way or another. Uh, thanks so much for the time today, and we'll be uh, we'll be clicking refresh a million times. We're, we're going to get you as many views as possible, I think, in the next week and a half. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Uh, we love it, Brian. Thank you so much. That is Charlie Cream, ESPN's women's basketball bracketologist, and uh, yeah, we shall see the orange are right there on it right now. Last team in.
Big game tomorrow, Houston, NC State. And if they win it, by the numbers, tomorrow would be their biggest win of the year, uh, without question, by the numbers. Tomorrow would be their biggest win of the year, if they can do it. Do they need it? As Charlie said, not necessarily. But a week and a half is a long time to hold your breath. This hour, as always, brought to you by William Attar. Hurt in a car. Call William Attar, 444-4444. Final break, final wrap. What's on tap after this on QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio.